What's going on, everybody? It's take two. I had some technical difficulties on take one, but it's take two. I got my guy, K Lou, K dot Kevin Lewis, as a guest on the Up in Flames podcast. It's been a little minute, little time coming. K Lou, what's going on, man? Man, everything's good, man. Blessed, and I appreciate you, you know, allowing me to, you know, be on with you tonight, man. So let's get it popping. I can't wait, man. I'm excited. Yeah, 100%. So one of the big reasons why I got you on is to talk about your Hoopers on Hell series that you got going. That's that's the freshest thing of what you got going in your podcast business right now. So I'm going to give you the floor, man. Just explain the inspiration and, you know, every everything behind why you started the Hoopers Unheld and what your journey is for what you've done so far and even in the future. Yeah, man. So Hoopers Unheld is a uh, is definitely something that just came just out of the blue. Um, you know, um, shout out to my wife. Um, she told me that uh, with the previous podcast that I have called the Launchpad um, with my my partners Thomas and Dwight, she told me that you know with that being the wave right now that I should really think about doing a podcast for pretending to basketball because that's literally all I talk about. And I told her, you know, if I wanted to do something, I wanted to do something that was going to be out of the ordinary. I wanted to, you know, do it to a point where I can tell a story. Um, I, I thought about my own story and I was like, you know what, you know, I'm pretty much an unsung type hooper. So as soon as I heard Unsung, the first thing that came into my mind was that TV One series, Unsung, with all of the, like, the Unsung R&B and hip-hop acts and everything, you know, they yeah. give them their flowers. So I said, you know what? Let me see if I can do something sort of similar. You know, so I did a little bit of research, um, and you know, I came up with, with Hooper's Unhailed. And Hoopers Unhailed is a podcast um, celebrating all of our uh, basketballs, you know, untrumpeted, unheralded um, athletes and what they're currently doing in, in their current state and, you know, how they're still utilizing the game now. But instead of, you know, playing it, you know, they're doing podcasts, they're creating media empires, they're uh, they're working, you know, for the league, you know, whether it's WNBA or NBA, you know, so I wanted to kind of use that platform to help celebrate, you know, a lot of those uh, hoopers that, you know, we may have seen maybe on TV, you know, like with Zach yeah. or, you know, who's a sibling of someone who played in the, in the league like Daniel or even someone who played overseas but, um, you know, moved into the media world and, you know, was a, a, a pivotal part in, um, in the BET Hip Hop Awards like Jada, which is uh, coming out on Tuesday. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's really, really uh, good to have all of these hoopers and, you know, allow them to tell their story because their story is, is quite unique and, a lot of the stories are just crazy. Like, like Daniel had stories for days. Like it was just, it was crazy with that episode, man. I, I really enjoyed that one too. Um, so, you know, I, I just want to, you know, shed that light for, for all those hoopers out there that may not, you know, 
may not have had, you know, that platform or, you know, had that opportunity to, to shine in the NBA, you know, um, but they did still play professional. So I just wanted to, you know, give them their flowers and, and use that platform to do it. Yeah. I mean, and that's pretty much what, that's exactly what you're doing. So you, what you thought you was going to do is exactly what you're doing. Cause a lot of people don't know Daniel Artest. And then when they see the name, they don't know him. They just, Oh, you're Ron Artest brother. But anybody who's had a conversation with him, that's not the first thing that comes out of his mouth. If you ask, he'll tell, but he doesn't ride on the coattail of being Ron Artest's brother. He doesn't throw it out there. He does his own thing. You know, he got his podcast and everything like that. And he's a humble dude, like having a couple of conversations with him as a humble dude. So you wouldn't know that he's the brother of a, of a former champion, you know, but then when you get to talk to him and he gets to tell his stories and then the fact that he played overseas, like, People don't know that. And like you said, like you hear our test, you think Ron, that's off the rip. And Daniel's created his own platform. And then with Zach, you know, like the situation with him and the and one uh, situation <laughs> where, you know, he actually back in the day was on and one and personally got picked up. But I know they said it was some politics. Uh, if I remember correctly, what he said on the episode was basically politics on why he didn't get picked, but Escalade picked him you know, handpicked them that I want you to go to the next round along with the other dude. But Escalade felt like Zach was the best player on the court that day. So, you know, it's just to hear some of these stories is like, it's real great. And then like you do it for everybody else, but kind of tell us about your story. Cause you feel like you the unsung, you know, like you got it from inspiration on your story. So just give us a little bit about where you fit in, in relation to these guys. All right. So, for, for me, I am, I'm what you call Mighty Mouse. You know what I'm saying? I was probably the original uh, Damon Stoudemire. So like my high school career, I was a part like, I was a part of like a huge uh, uh, championship high school team. I played ball at uh, Holly Hill Roberts High School and they were a South Carolina 3A class 3A powerhouse and they had championships in in the late 90s and I was a part of the 2004 uh, state championship team now that year was a crazy year for point guards so if you remember Devin Downey who played at Cincinnati and then transferred to South Carolina um, you know he was a part of kind of like that, that whole playoff, um, that, that whole playoff where even though we didn't play him, like he was averaging like literally like 35 a game. So for, for me, being a, a, a sophomore on that team, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of burn, but then mm-hmm. my junior and senior year, that's when I started getting a little bit of burn. And the funniest thing about my story is that I didn't, you know, I didn't get noticed until the summer of, it was the summer of my going into my junior year. We had a, uh, we had a, a superstar guard by the name of Ote Sellers and shout out to Ote. Um, he was getting looked at by a whole bunch of D1 schools, like Syracuse was looking at him, Maryland was looking at him. But Clemson, like, really, really wanted them. And we uh, we attended, you know, their team camp. And 
it just so happened we were playing against a, another high school squad and uh, the head coach at the time was Oliver Purnell. He actually came to the game to COTA and I just lit it up that day. Like I just had a real, real, real good game, you know, just being a, being a traditional point guard. And for, for some reason, like my coach never like just told me, but in addition to what coach Purnell was asking, you know, about Ote as, as far as a scholarship, he also asked about me and he told him I was a junior. Um, so apparently I was kind of sort of being looked at without being noticed. And, you know, my seat, my junior year comes on, you know, we go back to the state championship this time as Lake Marion high school, because we integrated and, you know, we lost that game, but um, you know, once again, I, I really didn't get in um, that game until the third quarter, but uh, you know, I was pretty productive. Uh, we were down like 21. We end up losing the game by three. So uh, we, we are in the record books for the most points scored in a quarter. There's only eight minute quarters and we scored 39 points in the fourth. So uh, try like tried to come back, um, but unfortunately, you know, um, caught the short end of the stick. So fast forward to my senior year, you know, I have a pretty productive year, and is at that point where after my uh, my play my high school playing career was over, you know, my high school coach tells me, hey, like Clemson is legit, like looking at you, and I'm like, what? Nah, you you bugging. That, that's not true. So the whole deal was they were out of scholarships, but if I would, uh, if I were to accept, um, you know, if I were to be accepted into the school, then I would be looked at as a preferred walk-on. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. That, you know, that's yeah. something that's, that's, that's pretty crazy to me. So I get accepted. First thing I say is, yo, I'm accepting Clemson. I'm not accepting any more. Uh, I'm not accepting any more schools. So, boom, get to Clemson. First thing that I do, I contact uh, Will Wade, who's at LSU now. Um, Will Wade was there. He was the director of basketball operations. He tells me, listen, come through, come through some of our workouts. Then we can play, uh, you know, then you can go in and, do some open runs with the guys and then you know we'll, we'll go from there so do what he uh asked me to do i i end up having like one of once again one of the best games against vernon hamilton shout out to my big bro vernon um and that's the same year trevor booker um came in uh trevor Burke came in that year uh david potter came in that year and um his name was AJ. I can't get his uh, last name right now, but he transferred to uh, UCF um, after a while, but he came in as well. So, you know, come in, you know, and basically it was a, it was a, just a situation where in a tryout, I just had to just stand out and, you know, I did that and I was able to walk on um, me and another point guard. So, you know, it was just a blessing to, to just be a part of that um, for that year. Um, I didn't stay on the entire time, but like the experience was crazy. I mean, it was different. You got waking up at four in the morning because you got to 
five o'clock walkthrough or a five o'clock um, shoot around, you know, then got to turn around and you go back to your dorm. You got to find something to eat and then go to class. Like, you know, it was a little overwhelming for me at first, but, you know, I started to get the hang of it. Um, but um, it just didn't work out. So, you know, I was I was very gracious, you know, with my time there. But that caught the eye of the women's head coach. And she came to me and said, listen, you know, I want you to be on on my scout team. You know, I want you to kind of, you know, be that be that person that can mimic, you know, some of, you know, the opponent's best players. And I'm talking about this is the year like I'm, I'm in there like when um, Ty Young was was in college. Ivory Latta was in college, you know what I'm saying? So just being a part of that was, was, was crazy. So, you know, I did that for two years and, you know, um, you know, I just moved on, you know, from basketball at that time. So my story is, is, like I said, is very unique. Um, you know, I never stopped loving the game, you know, that whole experience, um, led to me, you know, doing just different types of like film study and, and analyst work, you know, helping out different high school teams, helping out my alma mater, because in 2013, they ended up winning state again. Um, so, and that team actually had, uh, Mike Williams of the San Diego chargers. Yeah. He was on that team. So, um, you know, just helping them out. Um, I always, I always came back to the school and, and helped out every, any way I could. So, you know, um, just going into that and, and then that ended up turning into heavy handle hoops, which was established in 2017. And, you know, I've been doing kind of like skill development and, um, and, you know, analysis just since then. So my story is pretty unique too. Um, and I, and I appreciate you for, for asking about yeah. that. So like, I mean, I got stories, but, uh, that's, that's some, that's probably for another pod, like, because the stories that I have, especially, especially in college, like it was, it was crazy, but, um, but yeah, man, that's, you know, that's my story. And, and I just, you know, I'm just blessed to just be in the company of like everyone who, who appreciates you know, the episodes that are out now and, you know, just the stories that I'm, um, that I'm able to help, you know, help shed light to. So. Yeah. yeah. So now that you, so you fast forward into skill development and, you know, we've had this conversation um, outside of, of recording, you know, we've jumped in the clubhouse and talked about it, but just kind of, you know, it's skill development is like a, a really interesting game right now. Because I, I feel like you see a lot of these younger athletes doing BS workouts and everybody is now social media warriors. Like, you know, with like I'm 25, we didn't have social media like that in high school. Like I graduated in 2013. So it was like, that's when stuff started. You know, you already have Facebook, but you weren't posting videos of your workouts. You was just doing what you do. And now like you see a clip of a guy working out and it's like, oh, man, he really putting in that work. But are some guys really putting, like, with you training and then being on the outside looking in at other players, do you think all these guys are putting in the work that they perceive to? Because I, I just feel like some people do certain things for likes and views nowadays. Yeah, I, I really hope so, Mo. I, I really hope so. I don't want to be, you know, that guy that, 
that looks at, you know, these, these social media videos, because to be honest with you, when I first started the whole skill development part, I was that guy, but my intention was to just literally show everybody, Hey, this is what you can do. Simple workout. This is exactly what you can do, you know, in order to get better. I just wanted to kind of do it, you know, from a standpoint of, of a teaching element. Um, but then after a while, I just saw, you know, a case where like people were just putting up videos and, you know, just, um, just doing, just doing a little work here and there, not explaining why they're doing it, not giving, you know, uh, sort of scenarios like, and after a while I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be perceived as the guy that's just, you know, recording my clients and, just somebody saying oh well he's just recording them just so he can get the likes like that was never my intention so like I just like stopped doing the recordings just overall and just started just continuing with the uh with the development and what I would do um I would kind of just like record like the one-on-ones you know I just wanted to kind of showcase you know the client more so showcase what I'm trying to teach them so um, it, it got to a point where you started seeing trainer wars. And I'm like, I see this trainer kind of like so-called quasi beefing with, with, with another trainer, you know, feeling like um, someone isn't getting enough looks. And I got to a point where I'm like, come on, man. Like we should all be one basketball family. Like no one man should be bigger than the other. But unfortunately, you know, I mean, come on, we're, we're all we're all grownups. I mean, and we're also all human. We all have different personalities. Sometimes ego can get get in the way. And um, the, the biggest thing that I just didn't understand or, or didn't like was when you had some of the trainers, you know, saying that they had like, you know, NBA guys training and everything. But at the same time, it's like, okay, like, were you in the trenches with them before they got to the league or because you're, you know, you're connected, you know, not to say that you're not making them better, you know, because that's much respect to, you know, you for doing that. But, you know, what, you know, what's the end game? What's the end goal? Um, You know, is it just for just the social media purpose of it where you're just saying, hey, I got this guy, you know. And here he is, we're, we're putting in work or, or, or are you really, you know, trying to put in the work and you're just using, you know, that, you know, that particular player, you know, as an example saying that here, he's here with me, you can be that, you know, you can be that, that guy as well. So I just wanted to, you know, shed, shed that light and, and make sure that I was doing the right thing because I respect all of my guys, um, you know, that are in the same you know, realm as I am. Um, I take notes from those guys because I don't know everything. You know, they might have something, um, you know, that they can bring to the table that, you know, maybe that I could just, that that I could just look at and say, hey, you know, that makes sense. You know, let me see if I could, you know, try to uh, help my client with that, with that same, you know, type of philosophy. Um, so I'm a student of the game, you know, I'm a sponge. So, you know, I value all of that. Um, and I have tons of respect for all of those trainers out there that actually have a platform 
and actually use their platform to, to use it for, from a teaching perspective. Um, so, you know, much love to those guys, you know, and at this point, um, because of, you know, COVID, um, I've decided that, you know, I've taken a hiatus on the training because the most important thing for my clients is safety. And I'm just, I'm just that type of guy where it's like, listen, I don't want to be, you know, the cause or we're in a situation where we're in a gym and they're not, you know, following, you know, any kind of protocols and somebody comes in and they have it and because they're ignoring it. And, you know, you ended up, you end up getting it or I end up getting it, you know, so, you know, I've taken, you know, a hiatus on the skill development part, but I am trying to, you know, find other ways, um, maybe virtually. Um, I, I do have to give a huge shout out to Julian Wright, who, uh, who's a former NBA player. He's currently playing in Taiwan. We've been um, talking, you know, on and off. Um, because he has his adapt basketball program um, in the area that I'm in as well. And, you know, we're talking, you know, about teaming up and, and doing some things from a virtual perspective, because everything he does is, um, is, is high in technology. And that, you know, that's a really good thing that he's doing. So um, I'm trying to just figure out, you know, different ways from a virtual perspective to try to get back into it. Um, but for right now, you know, is all film study, all film work, helping out high schools. Um, I got a few high schools that I'm that I'm, I'm working with as far as film study and making sure that, you know, uh, if they are playing, um, that, you know, they can have something, you know, from from an opponent perspective, giving the uh, giving them pointers on what the opponent loves to do, what they don't like to do, and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm trying to trying to keep it trying to keep it um keep it steady trying to hold it down so you know yeah, so, that's that's my thing on the uh skill development part yeah so with that i know so with ha being a skill development coach parents and kids like when a parent gives them they give their kid to you and train them and you know it's it's a business as much as you want and it's all about they feel like their kid is an investment and they're investing their kid in you but it's more than a business for you. You're not in it necessarily for the money. That's what you do, but you're not in it for the money. You want to see the kid's success. So how tough is it? Because every kid isn't going to make it, right. but every parent doesn't understand that, especially parents who they previously weren't in the same, you know, they weren't training. They weren't trying to play college ball. They weren't trying to go to the pros. Uh, they might've played another sport or something, but everybody doesn't understand. Everybody's not going to make it. So when parents send them to you, what is like the ex when they look at you like a month from now, six months from now, like what are their expectations of their development of the kid? Because some kids are just gifted and they're going to get better just by working out every day. And then some kids are going to have to work two, three times. So what do you kind of tell them they should expect out of the program working with heavy handle hoop? Yeah. So the biggest thing for me is transparency, you know, I'm not the best evaluator. I'm going to be straight up um, honest. Like my eyes isn't at the level of, let's say, a uh, Rashad Phillips or a Dane Irvin or an Ian Powers. Like shout out to those guys because those guys are straight up talent evaluators. They like they have the eye and also Mark Edwards. Um, but 
when I when I what I mean by transparency is what I can see from my client is what I'm going to give my best analysis on. So, you know, I have a few guys who I feel like, you know, they can be college material um, to a point where they can be uh, division one, uh, low major division one. Um, I do have one guy who's a junior who can um, get up to that level. Um, and I have other guys who, you know, are probably, you know, NAIA or, um, or a, or a uh, mid to a high um, D3, uh, which is okay. My biggest thing is I, I try to tell my parents that the best thing that you want for your child is an education. And if you can get a free education, it doesn't matter where they go. Somebody is going to look at them and somebody is going to find that their talent is worth is worthy. And, you know, they're going to take a chance on your child, but allow me to help the child develop to a point where they can get um, to that, to that stage. So it's a big trust factor. Um, like I said, um, I'm not, I'm really not in it, you know, for the money because I've been brought up, um, you know, in a, in a case where, you know, there were guys before me, they didn't want money from, from me and they went out of their way and trained me, you know, uh, I told you like being, um, you know, being from New York and then moving down to South Carolina, you know, I've spent summers in, in New York, um, constantly and, you know, a guy by the name of future who was a part of am one, you know, one summer, you know, going into my eighth grade year, he, he basically, you know, trained me whenever he was, whenever he was out in the parks, you know, he, you know, he showed me a few things and I was gracious, you know, for that, for that time, because he didn't have to do that. You know, I, I was just a kid at that point. I was just a kid from South Carolina, just coming up, you know, cooling it with my cousins. We're hooping. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm not, I'm not elite, but I'm pretty good. I mean, and for, you know, him to go out his way to just say, Hey, you know, I want to give you a few pointers on your ball handling. This is, this is what you sh should do. You know, if you want to shift, you know, you know, you got a nice little left hand on you, but you need to strengthen up your left hand. And, you know, he, he taught me that, like, he just went out of his way to do that. And I'm talking about, this is like peak and one we talking about and one, like, I think and one, volume two was out at this time so like it's it's huge and like I, I was very gracious enough so you know I think about that um and the to be honest with you Mo like the money that goes in to the whole training it comes right back out to the to the student itself because you know what I do is I make sure that that I'm that I'm a mentor to them as well because, you know, if, if they need something, you know, maybe, yeah, their parents are investing in it, but, you know, I turn right back around and if they need something, you know, I just give, you know, whatever I can, I, I just give it right back to them. They don't know that, but, you know, that's what I do because I look at everything from a mentorship perspective as well. I always treat basketball as a metaphor for life. And I always try to teach them, you know, life values you know, along with the whole training situation. And, you know, I want to be, you know, someone that they can come to and say, hey, listen, you know, if, if your parents don't understand, you know, come to me, maybe we can talk about it. You know, um, basketball has always been therapy for me. So, you know, I want to 
um, is all is all about each one teach one. So I want to make sure that I, you know, I do my part, you know, in this game, you know, to help a kid because maybe maybe they don't play college ball. But maybe I can help them get a scholarship somewhere where they can, you know, get a degree. You know, that's the that's the first thing, you know, and I always treat, you know, my clients, you know, to the to the highest level. You know, I always treat them as if they're going to be pro. They may, I mean, they may not be pro. I mean, it's it's the hard facts, but if you treat them like they're going to be pro, you know, I give them pointers on financial um, stability, you know, as, as a teenager, like making sure you're not spending all your allowance or if you're working, don't spend all your money in one place. Make sure you're, you're learning taxes, you know, because at that point, you know, like, you don't, you don't know what's going on, you know, as far as um, how, how you're being taxed. So, you know, I teach them about taxes. I teach them, you know, about balancing the checkbook, you know, stuff like that, because that's important. You know, nobody taught me that. I had to learn all of that on my own. So, you know, I want to make sure that I, that I do that, you know, for, for any of my clients. And, you know, even with the, the younger ones, like my, my youngest client it is in fifth grade. And she like she's improved so much. You know, I, I started training her when she was in the third grade. Um, but you know, she's grown so much, and I always keep in contact with her and make sure that um, you know, she's valued, you know, not as just a basketball player, but as a woman, you know. So um, because I have a daughter and I want to make sure that you know, that she's being valued as such, you know, not just, you know, just, just any ordinary, um, any ordinary person, you know, so that's what I, that's what I try to bring, you know, with my, my skill development, you know, it's all about uh, mentorship and, and making sure that they, they succeed, whether they, you know, play at the next level or not. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much like growing up, I had a couple of trainers, um, you know, like shout out coach Allen Williams, shout out coach Ben Smith, but my dad was my trainer uh, more, more than anybody, honestly. And like where I come from, I was one of the only ones who had a dad. Like my dad was a father figure to half of everybody, majority of everybody I grew up with. And it was something that even though I lived in that environment, I never fully understood because I had my dad. So when people were like, you know, maybe beef with your dad or whatever, but People, man, I don't know why you tripping, man. Your dad, cool. Like, I never understood. Like, man, why y'all love my dad so much? But then I came, as I got older, I get it. And so, like, my dad, but my dad used to be hard on me. But he always, his thing was, I'm only going to push you as far as you want to go. Like, that was his biggest thing. He'll wake up. Hey, you want to go to the gym? No, nah, I'm cool. I'm about to go out. All right, cool. And he wouldn't say nothing else. But then later, you know, let me, I got a game Friday. You didn't go to the gym this morning. You didn't play the way you thought, but I let you make that decision. You got to grow up. If playing college ball is what you want to do, I make it happen. But you know, I'm only, I'm not going to force you to work hard. Cause that's where strained relationships come. You look at a kid and you pushing them too much. And you kind of end up pushing them away. So I think that's another tough thing is with dealing with so many different athletes and so many different skill levels, but even personalities is you can't, you got to invest in each one as an individual because that person may not want to put the same work in as the next, or that one wants it more. This one, he's just not as physically skilled, but he wants it where the guy who's physically gifted doesn't want it. Like, you know, that's just everything you deal with, with working out with players. Like I used to train and it'd be me and five, six other guys. 
But the whole thing is, is I look at everybody else and I probably wasn't the best. I might've been the worst sometimes of the five or six guys I'm training with, but it wasn't about, I came off as better than them though. Like I see, okay, well, he's quicker than me. So how can I stop him? Okay. I'm not as quick. I can't blow by him, but how am I going to get this bucket? Like, so I always measure myself against everybody else and I take what they have over me and Mom was just about IQ. How can I work around that? Like, that's how I always was. I would be the first one, you know, after the game, next day I'm watching film. Uh, get right back in the gym. Take practice serious. I took every practice serious. I'm not, I didn't slack on a play. You know, even when we just doing the boring stuff. Like, I, I took everything serious because I knew I had to work harder than a lot of people who was gifted physically. I wasn't the most physically gifted, but when it came down to it, like, my thought process was you're not going to work harder. That's it. Like, I'm going to be the hardest working one. I'll be the first one in the gym, last one out. That, that was just the mentality I had. And I had to have it to have any type of success. But, yeah, man, like, that that training stuff is crazy, bro. Because I know I know my coaches used to put in time. And they Monday through Sunday. Like, I could come to them and go to their gym on Saturday. Let's yeah. train Saturday morning early. And then they got another guy. Yeah, I got one of the guys coming in at 12. So they take a little lunch break, come back in at 12. So I know it takes a lot of time, but let's translate over to the NBA. Uh, you know, as everybody knows, the NBA season is about 20 games in for most teams. Right. Unless COVID stopped them. But what is, I guess I want, what are you getting from the 20 games so far? Like we're 20 games into the season. What has popped out at you the most? through these first 20 games? So uh, what was popping out to me the most is uh, definitely the way that uh, that COVID has basically taken a part in this entire thing, right? Um, I know that the bubble was highly successful, um, but it was only 22 teams. You're in one location and now you're dealing with 30 teams and you're traveling to different locations. Um, and we've seen that it's been, it's been a huge factor. Um, you've seen a couple people um, be out of games because of uh, safety protocols, health protocols. And that that's not necessarily saying that they have COVID, but, you know, they've been a, they've been around someone who, who has it or, you know, things like that. And the biggest thing is, of course, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, the whole James Harden saga, you know, in Houston. And then, you know, we have to turn around and talk about the whole Kyrie situation in Brooklyn. You know, um, those, those are the things that, that stood out um, to me most, but um, understanding um, a few things, you know, from a mental perspective, uh, we all have to look at, you know, these athletes as more than just athletes, you know, these guys are human. Um, I know the James Harden situation was a, um, was a shaky one, you know, and he started, you know, um, acting the way he was acting, you know, he wanted out, um, which I felt like this is just my personal opinion and no one else's. I just felt like, uh, it, I just felt like he could have given, uh, Steven Silas a chance with Steven Silas being, you know, a first time head coach. And I mean, Steven Silas has been around the league. Um, he's a, he's a legacy guy. 
you know, with uh, with Paul Silas being his dad. So I wanted to see James Harden kind of give, you know, him a chance. But, you know, the writing was already on the wall from a front office perspective. So I, I definitely understand that, um, you know, because it was more so all front office that had nothing to do with Steven Silas. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, that transition into what we're seeing right now with Bradley Beal, um, you know, I saw some of the game um, tonight and they did win. So, um, you know, big ups to, to the Wizards for uh, that was crazy. They went on an eight, no run. And yeah, the way they won that game, like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, as great of a game they played and Westbrook seemed like he was back. They shouldn't have won the game to, to yeah, end the game exactly. on those two threes. Uh, Bradley Bill hits a three with what seven seconds. They get a steal. Westbrook yep. hits a three um, to put him up by two, and then <clears throat> yeah, they should they should not have won or put him up by one. I'm sorry, but they should not have won that game. And I'm glad you brought up the Bradley Bill situation because I'm starting to think actions speak louder than words. He's never he hasn't formally requested a trade. Every time he gets asked about it, he's fully committed to the Wizards, but he's an athlete and any wrong thing he says, he gets scrutinized for it. So right. I think like he's handling it the right way and saying all the right things that he needs to, to just kind of keep his name out of the media. Right. Because like you said, we see what happened with James Harden. Um, James Harden went about it the way he went about it. I think he could have went about it different, but I don't blame him. If Houston isn't where he wanted to be at, that's what makes the NBA different than any other league is, player movement, player yeah. empowerment. They have the power. They run the league. It's a star-studded league. Absolutely. Um, it's not the NFL where, you know, there's not a guy in the NFL bigger than the NFL. But when it comes to the NBA, like, the stars run the league regardless. And Adam Silver, I, I give him major props because he got with that movement and supported it. You right. ever ask him about his star players in the league and what do you think about player movement? He loves it. He supports it. If guys don't want to be here no more, you know, there's ways to go about it. It's still a business. Um, there's still a way you're a professional athlete. So I do think you should handle it with some professionalism. But regardless of the fact is you're seeing it now, like Deshaun Watson is like going crazy. And it looks like there's zero chance of him getting traded, you know. But if you do that in the NBA, you're getting traded. But right. you don't have to go to those kind of extremes. That's why I think. Like, that's why I look at the NFL and I look at a situation like, okay, Matt Stafford, he agreed. He carried himself, did it the right way. I don't want to be here. Trade me, you know, we'll end on a good note. Deshaun Watson's kind of going the James Harden route, but it's going to be fought a lot longer, I yeah. think, because he is – the quarterback is just a different position. But I do think Bradley Beal should request a trade. That kind of talent should not be on – that low level of a basketball team. I think I, I, I hate to talk about coaches, but Scott Brooks isn't getting the job done. Um, they don't really have a culture. They never really did. They were pretty decent when they had Wall and Bill together and Wall was healthy. But I just think that was, you had two talented guys. If you have two talented guys, you'll be, you should be a playoff team in the NBA up until now. Cause now the league is so deep. Everybody has a star. Everybody has two all-star potential type players, but, up until then, I think, you know, they just never really had a culture. Scott Brooks isn't really the greatest coach. And you're seeing it now. You have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill, and you're not winning games. Bradley yeah. Bill is having a career year offensively, and you're not winning games. It's not resulting in wins. It takes a monster game from both of them tonight to basically 
uh, beat the Nets. And realistically, I think later in the season, they don't win that game. But the Nets have their issues. You know, they just got a big three together. So there's some things to figure out there. But where do you think, like, bias the side, if there is any, what three teams do you think, if Bradley Bill comes out and says, I want to be traded, what three teams do you think he would be able to take to that next level? Because everybody's going to want him. But who do you think Bradley Bill, like, with them, their championship team or a, a championship contender? So um, the first uh, the first team is probably a team you probably wouldn't think I, I would say, and that's Portland. Um, I, I think the reins of CJ and Dame um, could be on his last limbs. And the reason why I say that is because there there has to be uh, there there has to be some way for for CJ and Dame to to get it together. And for the past what six or seven years, it just hasn't happened. Um, so maybe it should be a fresh start. And we know Dame is committed. Um, and with respect to CJ, maybe CJ would would be better off with a change of scenery and that's no fault to CJ. That's no fault to Dame. That's no fault to Portland. But if you, if you figure out a way to make that trade happen and have Bill go to uh, Portland where Portland would be, you know, um, he, he would be, you know, 2018, 2019 Bill, all-star Bill. Um, and I think that, that would, that would be good. Um, that would be a good team for him. You know, like I said, fresh start, you know, um, a situation where, you know, he could, he could play a little more off ball um, because Dame, you know, demands so much, you know, and, and I think it'll allow Dame to get back to, to what Dame was when, uh, before they met, met up with, uh, with Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, you know, he was a, he was a, what that, I think that season he was averaging, maybe close to close to eight assists, you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, he, he, he can make more plays, you know, from that, from that um, perspective, another team I'm looking at is uh, probably one of the obvious, the uh, Miami heat. Um, 100%. I, I think that, you know, him and, and Jimmy will be able to flourish. Um, they could both be, you know, uh, ball handlers along with uh Goran Dragic. Um I don't think you move Dragic in that deal even though he has um now fact check me um did it does he have an expiring deal or is he you know he did, ended up he, signing like a two year extension because he was a free okay. agent coming into this season. He signed okay. like a two year contract. Yeah so you know you figure out a way to move some of those um you know, some of those uh, contracts. Um, unfortunately, you probably Duncan and, and Tyler will probably have to be a part of that. Um, but, you know, as long as you keep the core um, and, uh, you know, with Drogic, I think Drogic has uh, has proven that he can, you know, facilitate an offense. And especially if you got a guy like Bill um, coming in, you can stagger those minutes as well because Bill can handle the rock too. Um and, you know, that that will make them, you know, of course, once again, you know, instant contenders. Um, uh, one one last team um, that that I, 
I thought about, but it probably won't work is uh, the 76ers. Um, and the reason why I say that is, like I said, um, I mean, of course, everybody knows you got to make, you got to make the money make sense. Right. So um, I think, you know, with, with the team that Doc has, um, I think Doc will be really good for Brad, for, um, for Brad Beal. Um, that'll, you know, give uh, Philly the opportunity to uh, be more dangerous with Ben, um, with Ben and, um, and Joel and B, you know, utilizing, you know, their talents. Um, I think it'll open up the floor um, a lot more because there's, um, there's better shooting, um, not necessarily more shooting, but there's better shooting from an efficiency standpoint. Um, but like I said, like the money just has to make sense. They, they're going to have to find, you know, contracts that'll uh, be able to um, help compensate for that. Um, I, I think, you know, with Bradley Beal, um, Bradley Beal is doing everything that you said that he's doing. He's, he's trying to be the, the, the consummate professional, um, which um, I believe, you know, he has every right to be. It was just that tonight in the first half, like that body language was just, it was crazy. It was terrible. You know, it so terrible. I'm, I'm like, to be honest with you, can you really blame him? Like, nah, I can't blame him. And that's why I say, like, I understand. I feel like with him carrying himself the way that he has up to this point is why now it's all coming out. Like, he's tried to be patient. Right. He's been the professional. He said all the right things. He's fully committed. He doesn't want to go anywhere. That's what he's supposed to say to stay drama free. But now, like, it's frustrating. You could tell it's deeper. And he's, I just feel like he's trying too hard to be too professional at this point. And right. it's like actions speak louder than words. And we all see your body language. You go viral in the game during a timeout. You're a player who goes viral during a timeout for sitting away from the team. Um, to me, that says a lot. Uh, I do think Bradley, I mean, I just, the way he's playing, he would demand so much for a trade package, I think. Right. And, and my question is how many teams are really willing to give up their future? Uh, I don't think any of the lower tier teams would for the simple fact you got a strong draft class coming in next year. And that's, that's something that's yeah. gotta be thought about is, you know, you have your Cade Cunningham and you, you got you got some stars possible stars in the future coming into the draft the next two years. So that's something everybody's looking at. But like my dark horse, um, my dark horse for the trade would be the Los Angeles Lakers, mm. believe it mm. or not. Um, and the reason I say that is I look at their roster. Their roster is deep. They, they mm -hmm. really, they about 10 guys deep that, and I think they could make some trade. They, they have some trade value. I noticed they played Horton Tucker a lot more these past few games. So typically, you know, there's, there's a method to LeBron's madness. Any team right. he's on, he, he plays chess, not checkers. He knows what he's doing. And I'm not saying he, Hey, let's play Horton Tucker, but they know like it's, it's levels with LeBron. And when it comes down to it, like you bring LeBron in, you start developing that same mentality. And yeah. so I think the Horton Tucker plan, I don't think that's a coincidence. You have Kuzma, you know, if you get any star, he's going in a deal. But there's still people are still holding hope for Kuzma that maybe it's just he needs a change. And I think Montrez Harrell hasn't really been somebody who's 
fit in as great as good as he is coming off the bench I just don't know if he fits in that Lakers culture right now because like a LeBron team is actually preaching defense uh they play the Lakers play great defense you wouldn't think you'd hear that at year 18 of LeBron James that he's actually becoming a lock or being a lockdown defender but I think LeBron sees what the Nets have I think LeBron looks at the Nets and is like that's the team that we'll see in the finals uh, he respects everybody, but I think he's looking ahead to who he would match up with in that Easter conference. He sees Harden, Kyrie, and KD over there. And I think he thinks that if we get Bradley Bill, we're untouchable. I don't think he thinks they'll lose to the Nets, but he knows it'll be a tougher matchup if it's him and AD versus Kyrie, uh, KD, and Harden. So I do think the Lakers have a chance of getting in the sweepstakes. I just don't know if that package would be strong enough. And that's and that's exactly you. You hit the nail on on the head right there because the the reason why I didn't I didn't pick the Lakers there is because of the package, and as much as uh, Bradley Beal is worth right now, you you gotta you gotta get you gotta it's the Calvary, like that you said you talk about the depth that depth is gone. If you, uh, because Washington is going to ask for all of that. And um, I feel like, you know, even if the Lakers do decide to, to pull the trigger, then, you know, what happens? You're going to be just like the Brooklyn Nets. You're going to be looking for free agents. You're going to be looking um, for players in the buyout market. And, you know, there aren't a lot of guys, you know, in free agency that you can just pick up. Um, on top of that, there's not going to be a lot of guys in the buyout market because of the way uh, uh, everything is set up, you know, with, with the whole COVID situation, like people, like teams are really trying to kind of um, save up a little bit of coin, even though, um, you know, they're still, you know, trying to rely on TV deals and, and all of this other revenue. Um, and they're trying to figure out uh, other uh, types of revenue to maintain um, order. But, you know, the like, like I said, like the buyout market, you know, it's probably not going to be the buyout market that we're used to seeing just because of revenue share. And, um, you know, I think, you know, with the Lakers, like it, it'll, it make, it makes sense, you know, from a basketball on move perspective. Right. Um, the question is, you know, who are the guys you, you we talk about cools, we talk about, um, uh, THT, uh, we, we, we talk about what, who, I mean, who would you, yeah, Caruso. I think in that package, um, and and I, I I had this conversation with my dad, I think yesterday, but I was looking at their roster and if they make the right move, they could give up a lot and still have a lot. Like if you can hold on to Schroeder and KCP, I think that'll matter. Um, but Schroeder's on an expiring contract, <clears throat> to my knowledge. So I do think mm-hmm. it's possible that they could move on from Schroeder. You might have to um, in trading for Bradley Bill. But I look at it like this. The Lakers could give up five first-round picks on top of whatever. they give up their whole future. And everybody would say that's crazy. But if you project them the next five years, LeBron's going to be there, I think, for another two to three. Right. So you look at no lottery picks, probably, you know, they're going to be one of the final four teams at the very least. I think conference championship for the next 
three to four years. AD's there another five years. And Bradley Beal's 27 years old. So I could see, yeah, we give up our future, but LeBron would even look at it like when I do leave, you have Brad Beal, AD, in that Lakers uniform to bring players to LA and be in sunny Los Southern California. So I think that would be a pitch for LeBron to say, you know what? Um, we know he runs the team. If they do trade for Bradley Bill, it's going to be ran through him. He'll probably put the package together himself. Uh, LeBron's just been that dude. That's, that's just how he does business. And it, he's earned it. It's, there's not a lot of guys in the league. There's not a lot of guys in the league ever that could, that would have that type of juice in an organization, but LeBron is one of them. You know, I, I think Kobe would have been one. He never really, it didn't seem like he did that that much, but like your Kobe's, your Jordan's, those are the type of guys they should have that kind of juice in the organization. They earned it. It's not right. something you give. You don't give the keys to the organization right away. They earned it. Um, but I do think LeBron would think of it like that. And even in the long haul, if I do retire in two to three years, I leave you with Bradley Bill, Anthony Davis, and probably a lot of, a, a lot of money in the cap, or at least they've been building year by year right now. Ever since mm -hmm. they've got LeBron, it's one or two year deals and get it, get guys at minimums or just pay them maybe right at what they're valued at in the market. And it's worked. It won them a championship last year. Right. Um, they're the championship favorite this year with doing the same thing and trading for Schroeder. But a lot of guys are one or two year deals outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis. They're one or two year deals. If you look at it, Mark Gasol um, is what I think his contracts over at the end of the year Schroeder's contracts right. over at the end of the year. Uh, they just signed KCP for three years, which was actually surprising just because the way they've been moving business-wise. I'm surprised they signed him for three years, but he earned it, especially his performance in the finals. But that's why I have the Lakers as a strong suitor. But, you know, like we said, I don't know if their package would be good enough. But if they give a haul of picks on top of that, it you know, five first-round picks, like teams, because picks are valuable in the NBA. Right. You look, and I have two – first round picks every year, even though the Lakers picks might not be that valuable. Cause you know, they're like 28, 29, even 30 sometimes, but I have two first round picks over the next five years. They could turn that around later. Washington could turn around and package those picks for somebody else when there yeah. becomes another unhappy star. And I understand Washington isn't with somebody, if they're unhappy, I doubt the wizards is on their list, but it's just very possible that you never know, or they move up with those, all those picks to move up and get the guy they want in the draft are already going to be a lottery pick, but they can be, I give you my two first round picks. We got the number three, we want the number one. And it's very possible that that could happen. So I, I think the Lakers, if Bradley Bill comes out and says that he wants to be traded, I think people should consider the fact that the Lakers are going to, they're going to give them a call and see what they could do. Cause like I said, I just think LeBron's looking over at that Nets team and it's like, it's going to be tough but I can make it easier if we go ahead and get Bradley Bill. Oh yeah. And, and after, you know, after you explaining that in, in that fashion, like that makes perfect sense. Um, and, you know, sometimes I always look at it, like, I always look at it, like, does the money make sense? Like I never value the picks until someone else says, yeah, like, you know, they have, they probably have five first round picks for the next five years, you know, so throw that in there. 
And just like you said, at this point, picks are valuable. You know, the next two, we, we know the next two to three draft um, draft classes are going to be pretty decent. So, um, well, especially, you know, this draft class that's coming up, you know, everybody's talking about it. And then, you know, the Imani Bates um, draft class will probably, you know, be um, just as good as well. So, you know, that that makes perfect sense, you know, as far as, you know, the draft picks are concerned. Like, like I said, I always just look at it, okay, does the money make sense? And if you're going to put a package together, like who's, who's got the 1.2 mil or who's got the, you know, the, the 10 mil, who's the expiring contract we can put in there, you know, that'll help shed some cap space, you know? So, you know, that makes perfect sense. Um, so I also wanted to mention um, to me, it's almost like the year of the big in the MVP conversation we have Joel and B who's going crazy in dot rivers um system um and dot did say in the beginning of the uh of the season he said yeah give me you know give me a few games with with Joel and Ben let me see if I can make it work you know before you guys you know talk about you know you know putting a trade package together and even though Ben was considered in that trade package with James Harden which fell through I mean, it looks it looks as if, you know, it was a it was a good idea. I know they um, you know, they've been on a little bit of a up and down street, but they're still um, I believe they're still, you know, top uh, top two top, um, you know, top of the east. So uh, like Joel Embiid is playing lights out um, and, and Nikola Jokic is playing lights out as well. They just beat the brakes off of uh the, the Jazz, who the Jazz was on a, I think they were on an 11 game winning streak. Um, yeah, so it, was, they, it, was some, it, it was like, yeah, nine, 10, 11, something like yeah. that. But the Jazz were going they, crazy and yeah, Jokic picked them apart fire. in the first half. Yeah, 22 know. points in the first quarter, 33 in the first half. So um, they were actually, uh, I, I thought they were going to set the franchise, uh, I, I thought they was going to set the NBA record. They had uh, 15 threes. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have 15 threes like in the in the first half or something like that. Um, and I think the uh, the NBA record was 29. Um, I don't know uh, where they finished that, but you know, like they they were on fire today, and and Jokic was a part of that. You know, for you to have a 22 point first quarter and then you know have a 33 point um, half, like that was impressive. And they've won five of their last six or something like that. And they're now sitting at number four in the West. So, you know, they've, uh, they've turned, they've definitely turned the table. Um, Mike Malone has figured it out. Um, they're playing better defense because that's, that was the, the problem in the beginning. Like they just weren't playing any defense whatsoever, but now, you know, they're sitting, um, if I'm not mistaken from, from a defensive efficiency standpoint, the past six or seven games, they've been sitting kind of like in that mid tier um, in rankings, um, in defense. Um, and, and, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's drawn, um, some attention. So like, like I said, you know, um, with, with the big man, you know, at, at, at the helm, you know, of, of MVP races and, you know, you can't ignore LeBron, you know, being in that MVP race, um, of course, but, you know, it's just, to me, it's impressive, you know, after going, maybe oh when's the what's the the last uh mvp what um dirk 
was, was yeah te- if i'm not mistaken the last league in dirk yeah so you know to see two of them right to see two of them in that race um you know that's that's pretty impressive um what what, what do you think about it i mean that's that's kind of leading on like that was the last thing i wanted to hit on was so it is year of the bigs um but a a big i guess you could consider him he's he's that in between but it's Giannis and that's kind of mm-hmm. where I want to tie like the Joel Embiid and Jokic and then Giannis um I haven't been as impressed you look at his numbers yes he, he's playing really good if you base off his numbers but I haven't been that impressed with Giannis because I see what Embiid's doing I see what Jokic is doing and now I'm seeing like you're not you can't game plan for those guys where you know, you can't sit 10 feet from the three-point line and say, go to work and think they not going to go to work. Jokic is, he's a good enough shooter as a seven-footer and Bede is a good enough shooter as a seven-footer. Uh, both of them are pretty decent ball handlers for seven-footers. I think both of them are actually better ball handlers than Giannis, in my opinion. Um, they're pass, you know, Jokic is a great passer. He's really a walk-in triple-double. Seems like we have somebody who can average a triple-double every year at this point. But my thing is Giannis is I question whether Giannis is even a top five player anymore. Cause you look at all it took was Joel Embiid. We, I, I always consider him a top five talent, mm-hmm. but he wasn't giving you top five effort every night. Like it depended, you know, I think was it last year or two years ago when Embiid has zero points in 30 something minutes, like that's inexcusable for a guy of his talent to not have scored a bucket. Like True. you're a big man, you're under the rim. You can play from out to in, in to out. So I just felt like that was inexcusable. But now you're seeing Doc Rivers is getting the best out of Joel Embiid. So with Giannis, I think the NBA has him figured out. And I'm not really sure that Giannis really has gotten better. If you look at him two years ago and now, I think he's the same player. He's freakishly athletic and he uses that to his advantage. But we also see defense gets played in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um and you see teams, it's, you're not seeing different teams each night. You're seeing one team in a seven-game series. So what do you think about Giannis? Because I'm pretty much convinced I don't consider him a top-five player. He might be six or seven, but I don't think he's the, you know, we thought he was going to be like LeBron was going to give him the keys <clears throat> as far as next up for best player in the league for some years to come. But what do you think about Giannis? Yeah, so for, for me, uh, Giannis is um, definitely taking a step back, um, in my opinion, this year. And I think it's because of the roster makeup. Um, I, looked, I looked at this roster when they was getting everything set up. Um, one thing that I'm pretty sure Milwaukee regrets is not um, or is fumbling uh, the whole Bogdanovich uh, deal. Um, I think you get Bogdanovich and we're probably talking differently um, about the Milwaukee Bucks. I look at this roster. I see a roster that is not regular season driven, but I do see um, some playoff uh, potential there. And with, with Giannis, I know um, he, he is who he is, but he's still averaging like, you know, your 25, 26, 27 27 points like you know I you know I I just I don't want to ignore that um but at the same time you know 
I'm looking at their their chemistry right now, and they're they're up and down. You know, they you'll have one game where they're like, oh snap, you know, they you know they're doing the damn thing. Um, but then there's other games where it's like, oh, dang, where's the offense? Or you know, they didn't they didn't defend well tonight. Um, so it's been up and down. Um, what I'm thinking is they'll still kind of be in that, you know, that top five, top four in the East. Um, but I do see Giannis, um, you know, I, I see him taking a step back. And I hope that his step back is more so of giving his teammates the opportunity to take the step up. Um, that, you know, like a Chris Middleton, because we all know back, you know, back in the bubble, like Chris Middleton, like he, it was like, he was all gassed out. Like he couldn't defend. He was shooting poorly. Um, and with all the teams, you know, basically having them figured out, you know, especially with Miami, you know, building that wall and going basically that unorthodox three, two zone, like, you know, Chris just couldn't, couldn't give you, you know, what, uh, what was expected of him, but I'm hoping that this year is different and that with Giannis taking that step back, even though he's still, you know, basically dominating, just doing whatever he wants, um, you know, getting into the, getting into the paint, you know, I, I, I want to see uh, Chris Middleton say, you know what, you know, I had that slump, you know, in the playoffs, like I do not want this to happen this playoff. So I'm a cruise a little bit. Um, and we're going to cruise as a team a little bit. And then once the playoffs hit, depending on where we are, we still want to be in a position where we're, you know, in that top four where we can, you know, because this, this is, uh, this is different. You know, we got the, uh, the top 10 teams this year with playing games. Um, you got the play, like the playing tournament. So seating is going to be very, very important. You know, you want, uh, I think the strategy is you want to kind of be in like that top four. You don't want to be five through 10 because five through 10 can be a game or a game and a half apart of each other. So you want to be in a position where you're in that top four, where, you know, you're guaranteed, um, you know, some type of home court advantage, at least in the first round. So, um, you know, they're probably trying to position themselves to where they don't see, you know, one of the, one of the um, batter matchups, for example, they probably don't want to see Philadelphia, you know, in the, in the, in the second round, they probably want to try to see if they can get uh, maybe, um, maybe a, uh, let's see uh, who, who would consider, who would be considered. So we would have what bought like bought maybe a Boston, you know, may, maybe a Boston, um, you know, in Boston, you know, they, they've been up and down, but it, as of late, they've been actually playing a little bit better. Um, I actually had them um, between four and six this year, but they've been playing a lot better. Um, big ups to Jalen Brown. Like he's like, to me, Jalen Brown should be an all-star this year. Just, just my personal opinion. And you that's, know. that's hands down. Uh, he, he should not get robbed, but I, it's just, I feel like it's crazy to knock a guy like Giannis. Yeah. But my, my thing is, is yes. Like I said, you, you look at the numbers, and, you know, especially a lot of we, – we talk a lot of times of, like, casual yeah. fans that you're just watching the game and, like, oh, he's playing really good. But I'm more so criticizing him because we're talking about year of the bigs as MVPs. We're talking about the elevation of Joel Embiid. We're talking about the progress we see 
in Jokic. Like we knew he was an MVP candidate last year. You know, he was like a fourth, fourth or fifth as an MVP candidate last year. But then we're talking about them elevating and, again. And Giannis has And we're getting it. the best yeah. out of them. <laughs> and and that's, that's all I'm saying is I don't think, and I think like this is the best Giannis is right. going to be because to ask him to really improve any more than what he has as a three-point shooter, I, that's tough. Like he'll shoot it. He's, he's a willing three-point shooter. If you leave him open, he'll shoot it. But to ask him to be close to 40%, yeah. that's tough. You that's, know what? That's, I just want to see him knock down the mid-range. Get get in get into your, your pinch post. Like get to the free throw line extended. Hit those type jumpers, man. Like sometimes, like you just gotta say forget analytics because that's that's what they're to me, that's what they're pressuring them to to look at, looking at layups and three-pointers. But if he can if he can get into the pinch post, you know face up and give us, you know, a 12 to 15 footer, like KD and Kawhi. He's, he's un, that'll be, that'll be unstoppable, man. Like, and, and yeah, that's what I look at KD and yeah, Kawhi. Yeah. Like that's who I look at. Their mid range is ridiculous. And like, even, even AD, like AD would even get into the pinch yep. post and, 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 and give you, you know, 12, 15 footers, man. Like, you know, I feel like if, if he can do that, then you know he should be able to he should be able to shine you know um and and elevate like you've been saying but for some reason if he can still average that 25 26 27 just bulldozing his way through the rim and euro stepping his way through the rim and using his length just to dunk you know maybe that'll maybe that'll work now but if it continues to fail in the playoffs you're gonna have to figure something out. You know what I'm saying? Because so. that's that's where winners are made, and that's where I'm not looking at. Giannis has the perfect game for regular season. You right. can play that bully ball, but like I said, defense defense steps up. Like guys play defense in the playoffs. You know, we're seeing a ridiculous amount of 130 point games. I mean, look at the Nets. It seems like they score 130 every night, and it seems right. like they get 130 put up on them every night. They're in high scoring dog fights. But that's why I, that's why I'm critiquing Giannis, um, and it's just like I said, it's it's more so, literally witnessing the elevation of Embiid is the main guy because we knew Jokic was, he, he was the best big last year. We knew that, right? But to see him even be better this year goes to my point. Those guys just it's something they're doing that Giannis isn't, and they're you know Embiid is more so the the physical. He could kill you as far as how much bigger and stronger he is than a lot of guys. Uh, Jokic isn't the most athletic, but he just he fit, he gets in where he fits in and he does it at an elite level. That's what I love about Jokic is he's not the fastest. He doesn't jump the highest. He's not the strongest, but everything he does, he's an elite passer for a big man. He's an elite shooter for a big man. He, he, he'll make you respect his three back to the basket. He's just, he's just an all-around playmaker. And I think Joel Embiid is that same type of player. You know, like you said, before he really grew into his body, he was playing guard. Like, right. Embiid, Anthony Davis, same thing. Before he hit that growth spurt, he was a guard. So they already have that advantage over Giannis. Giannis is a good enough ball handler to me to get the job done, but he's not really going to beat you with his ball handling skills. 
Right. Um, I think Embiid can do that. He could take centers off the dribble. So that's that's my only critique on Giannis is just I'm seeing the improvement and the elevation of everybody. And, like, he's the one superstar because I still consider Giannis a superstar. He's the one superstar that I just don't see any improvement. And it's tough. Everybody has a ceiling. And that's why I think, like, he might have hit his ceiling and this is how good he'll be for the next six, seven, eight years. But his being great just isn't going to be great enough the way I look at it with the, the deck is stacked against them with mm-hmm. Brooklyn um, having their big three. It's not going to be easy. Miami right. already showed, even though they're playing really disappointing right now, they showed that they match up with you well, the right. way their team is built. Uh, Boston, you got J- Jason Tatum, who's constantly getting better. Jalen right. Brown, who's getting better every year and is, should be undisputed an all-star this year. So I just look at the Eastern Conference and then I could go West and we could talk about LeBron. It's the Lakers. Right. Any team LeBron's on, championship contending team. Um, kind of like what Houston has done after the trade with Harden. They actually right. look right. really good and that's not something that's getting talked about a lot. But like I said, you got Denver. You got Jokic and Denver. They came out bad early, but they're looking like they're getting it together and this is they're going to quality um, play for the rest of the season. You got Portland, the injury bug hit them, but we know what they could be when they're healthy. So that's that's kind of my thing is we're just seeing guys get better. You know, Bradley Bill is better. He's arguably a superstar, but he's on a bad team, so you won't give it to him. But that's, that's kind of – and I'm not seeing improvement from Giannis. Is he great? Yes. He's just as talented as he was last year. I don't think his talent has dropped off. I just don't see an improvement in – Nobody gives Ben Simmons a pass for not having a jump shot or not getting better. Right. As great as Ben Simmons is, they get on him about improving every offseason. And, oh, we're not seeing improvement from him. But now, like, because Giannis is the back, uh, back, back-to-back MVP, you cut him a little slack. And I feel like, you know, he should be getting hounded a little bit the same way. Like, his game doesn't work in the playoffs. He hasn't played in the finals. I understand MVP is a regular season award. Like we both said, he has a regular season game. It's going to work in the regular season, but he hasn't made a finals yet. It doesn't look like he'll make a finals this year. Like he's not my, they're not my pick coming out of the Eastern Conference. They're not my pick either. And Um, I don't know if they'll make it to the conference finals this year. Like it's, it's a tough road. There's, you know, like you say, you got Philly and Boston, Uh, Miami, if they get it together, they're going to be very competitive as far as, especially we seeing how they match up against Milwaukee. So I just feel like there's just so much with Giannis that he does need to get better. Yeah. So um, one, one, one last thing I would like to mention um, is I want to give some flowers to a, to a few players um, that's, that's been tearing it up um, lately. Jeremy Grant, Colin Sexton, um, you know, those guys, I mean, what Jeremy Grant is doing for, for Detroit is, is amazing. Um, and then of course, what Colin Sexton is, is doing with, with Cleveland, you know, is, is, is amazing as well. Um, so I just wanted to give those guys their flowers because, you know, that's, um, you know, that's one thing that we, we talked about, um, but, you know, they're not getting the national attention. Um, Jeremy Grant is averaging like 25, like that's <laughs> That's crazy to say that he was, you know, starting off, um, you know, he came in trying to figure out a role. Then he became a journeyman, you know, first with Philly, then with OKC and then uh, Denver last year. You know, he found his niche in the bubble 
and he decided to bet on himself and um, he got the $64 million deal with Detroit. He's playing like a $64 million um, kid. And I don't like counting people's money, um, you know, but he's, he's playing, you know, uh, you know, to a, to a respect that, yeah, he, yeah, he's playing in, into that contract. So, so big ups to him. And then with Colin Sexton, you know, uh, he was in that draft with Luca and Trey and, you know, I know everybody, you know, had the the tray over over Colin thing, but you know, Colin just took a different, um, you know, it was a different path from from a development standpoint, and now it's showing, you know. Um, so you know, big ups to those guys. You know, I just wanted to kind of give them their flowers, and you know, I, I didn't, you know, want to ignore that. So yeah, to, to add on, on, I just want to well to add one more guy is Christian Wood. Oh, um, yeah, his first, yeah, yeah. His first five years have been ex- like Jeremy Grant, um, you know, a journeyman. You know, he played for, what, five or six teams in five right. in the past five years. And now, like, you know, like you said, you don't like counting people's pockets, but he's outplaying the contract that he signed to go to Houston, in my opinion. I think he's getting, right. what, $13 million? He looks like at least a $20 million a year player. Yeah. The way he's playing right now, he's yeah. on all-star level. Uh, he'd be a guy that'll probably he'll he'll miss out on the All Star. His his name just isn't big enough yet because right. of him being a, a journeyman. I think Jeremy Grant might be another guy who, you know, I think the list of All Star snubs is gonna be crazy this year because there's gonna be 10, 11 guys I think that we could say are snub, but you'll be able to almost make an All Star team with guys who missed the All Star game this year. Uh, I think Jalen Brown should finally get his chance, but. Yeah, I just I definitely want to give a shout out to Christian Wood with the way he's playing. Christian Wood's sure. playing out of his mind. But you know, to wrap it up, K Lou, I appreciate you for coming on. Oh, you know, always when we talk ball, it's always a good conversation. So I'm gonna let you lead it out and uh give us all your social media handles and what we can follow you and what we got to look forward to from you and from a content and, and everything else. Yeah, so um, once again, I appreciate, you know, you allowing me to be on your platform. You know, this was a great conversation. Um, I was happy to, you know, tell kind of like my little snippet of a of a Hooper unhailed story. So, you know, I appreciate that. But yeah, you can find me um, just about on all platforms. Um, I am on Twitter. Uh, it's at heavy handle hoop on Twitter, um, on Instagram. It's heavy.handle.hoops. Um, if you also want to follow the, uh, my, my other page on Instagram, it's k.lulpp. Um, so, you know, uh, the Hoopers Unhailed podcast, it comes out every Tuesday. Episodes one and two is currently out now. Episode one is about Zach Ramey. Episode two is about Daniel Artest. Episode three is coming out on Tuesday, and that will be about Jada J. Jefferson. Um, so that that was an exciting one. Like that's oh my gosh, she had she had a story about her time at Fordham University that was crazy. So you know, definitely look out for that. Um, episode four will be out um, February 9th. Um, I got an exclusive on that one, so uh, look out for my Twitter page um, as I you know, announce uh, that exclusive. Um, that was with uh, Maria uh, Laterza of, um, of Brook, out of Brooklyn, um, former, uh, you know, former Marist um, University player. So um, 
you know, just look out for that. But once again, you know, I appreciate, you know, um, you having me on and, you know, it's all, it's all love. You already know. And I've been saying, you know, in 2021 is the year of the legend. So let's all be legendary together. Yeah. A hundred percent, bro. And y'all know where to find me up at flames podcast, wherever you can get your sports podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, anchor, you know, um, but like I said, K. Lou, I appreciate you for coming on. And on that note, Up in Flames is out.